Hello, this is Mo Renault, and this is Walk Left, the podcast. And I'm Marty Chidorek. Thanks for joining us. So, it's uh, it's a pleasure to be sitting down with you and talking about uh, this production, which is still shrouded in a bit of mystery. But what I do know is uh, some very exciting stuff. First of all, before we get into uh, Until Our Paths Cross Again, though, uh, I'd love to talk a bit about uh, Rarely Pure Theatre, where that came from, and... Uh, where it's going. Well, I started it just because I wanted to put on a show. But then I had like a lot of people come up to me, other actors who just want to put on their own work just like me, but don't have a company to do it under. So I decided to make this company a creative hub so that other artists, emerging artists probably, will have something to do their work under. Don't have to make another company because there's so many companies going around. <laughs> people can just come to me and say, can I do a show? And I'll be like, yep, cool. Is there a unifying kind of idea other than we have ideas for shows and we want to put them on. Not that there's anything wrong with that. No, I mean, there is a unifying idea. I mean, I had somebody come up and say that they want to do a two-person musical. It doesn't matter what it is. And I was like, well, what's the point of it? You know, what is the story? What are we going to say with this? And so I just don't want it to be somewhere where people just want to seek the spotlight. You know, it's about me upstage. I'm the actor. It's not about that. Um, I want it to be a company where people have something to say. And so they can use it as a way of communication, you know, saying something to an audience. I don't want it to be just, I want to get up there and sing a great song. Well, what's the song saying? You know. So the name then, Rarely Pure, came from? It's a quote by Oscar Wilde. Um, the truth is rarely pure and never simple. And I just always have that in mind when I think of theater. Because it's, it's contradictory, it's, it's true, it's false, and I don't know. You can play with that. Okay, so we're so we're, the audiences shouldn't come to a production expecting something that's rarely pure, but rather the truth, mm-hmm. and and perhaps not dealing with the simplicity of it, but the, the purity. Yeah, it. yeah. All right. I mean, I had a conversation with Iris Turcott about it. She read the script. She works at Factory Theater, and she told me that it's really, really wrong in all the right ways. Oh. So, I mean, I was like, oh. She's like, no, it's a good thing. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so, you think you're coming to a really beautiful play, maybe. And, I mean, it, it does. It does have a beautiful message, and it celebrates her life. But in a way, there's there's some things that you might think, oh, my God, I can't believe you're saying that. I can't believe you're doing that. So, is is, the, is uh, Until Our Paths Cross Again, is that the first production yes. of? Yes. Of Rarely Pure Theater? Mm-hmm. And it, it seems, from what I understand, it seems like... A sort of it's it's a it's a pretty pure story. Yeah, a Canadian hero is such a pure thing to talk about and celebrate. But I mean, she went through some shit, so it's not really a pure life that she went through. And and I want to explore those, explore the decisions she made, and and what was bad and what was good, and you know. And she is. She is Captain Nicola Goddard, the first female Canadian soldier to die in battle. Whether she wanted to be known as that or not, that's what we're. So, she was the first. Ever like no Canadian. other woman, ha- no other Canadian woman had died in battle. on the front lines. Mm-hmm. And uh, can you tell us a, a, a bit? What was the what was the story that sort of caught your imagination as a playwright to mm-hmm. to tell it? Well, I read a book about her called Sunray by Valerie Fortney, and it's it's a beautiful story because she it's just her. She's a great person, 
I mean, you read the story and you just fall in love with this girl, even though you'll never get to meet her. Mm-hmm. Um, what really caught my attention about her was that she, she just wanted to be a soldier. And she didn't want to be the first female of anything. She didn't care about that stuff. She just wanted to do her job, and she was actually the best at her job, even though people gave her a little bit of crap about being a girl, and she had to go through a lot more to get to where she was, and she, she did it. Um, her parents are Canadian, but they were teachers overseas. So they were in Papua New Guinea as teachers, and they had her there. They got pregnant there. She was born in Papua New Guinea and was raised there, I think, for a couple years. And then they came back to Canada, but they traveled everywhere in Canada. So she never really stayed in one spot as a person, always going to new schools, always meeting new friends. And while reading her book, I remember this, this chapter about her going to a new school, and she got on the bus, and nobody wanted to talk to her like she was the new girl, right? And I felt that. It sucks. But um, she sat beside this other girl who was not really liked in the school, and she sat down and started talking to her, and the, the girl was like, don't talk to me, nobody talks to me, no one's going to talk to you, all this stuff. And she was like, what the heck, man? Let's be friends. And she was just so positive. And within like a couple months, everybody loved her. Everybody knew her. And I think that's how you can explain her. That's how you can describe who she is. She's just like the most positive person. Everything is dealt with humor and love. And, you know, she's very compassionate. And I think that kind of adds to why she's so interesting as a soldier. Because she was a captain. She led all these men. She was fierce. Why did she go the military route? You know what? That was never actually explained. Um, I guess in the book, it says that one night she... Well, in high school, they came to her high school and they recruited. And she went home and uh, she told her parents that she wanted to do it. And her parents did not like the idea. I guess the quote is, they say, books, not bombs. So they didn't want her to do it. She's like, no, I, I want to do that. It's a way to pay off my college. It's a way to do this. She had practical reasons, but I think she just really wanted to fight, too. I don't know. I thought about it in high school. Yeah, I no, like I was like this 90-pound think... little twerp, and I was like, I want to be a soldier. And they're like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I could have been the next Captain Nicola Goddard. But... Well, fortunately, <laughs> you're not, and you're able to tell her story. Yeah. You came across that in your research, and then what, how did you, how did, what was your process like for, for taking that? I mean, what is the... It's a two-woman show. I'm not going to give anything away, but it is really her life. So... Um, the, the main girl does play her, and we treated it like a character study. In university, I'm only two years out of university, so I took a lot from my education. But the last class we had to do is a character study, and that's the only time that I was ever able to actually write my own show for school. Mm-hmm. And I never considered myself a writer. But once I, they just said, take a character, somebody you are inspired by, and write a story about this character, I realized I can be a writer. All you need is a character, and the humanity in the story comes out of that. So, yeah, we treated it like a character study. We took things from her real life. We used a lot from her letters home. So they're all published in another book, and I, the actress actually says her actual words from her letters. So, I mean, it, it wasn't hard for me to write it because I just took it from her. She wrote her own story pretty much. The story centers around Captain Nicola Goddard, and and the other character is... She's a young girl who Nicola meets in Afghanistan. So it's sort of like she just got separated from her men, 
and she comes into a very secluded area in Kandahar, and there's a young girl there, and the young girl helps her try to find her way back to her men. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so people coming to see this, uh, of course, you're you're presenting this uh, right near Remembrance Day. Yes, on Remembrance Day. On Remembrance, yeah. in, up yeah. to and including Remembrance yes. Day. <laughs> so this is a great kind of both a very Canadian story as well as as timely in that way. Does war act as sort of more of a backdrop for the story, or is it? How would you sort of how would you characterize the the themes of this? Obviously, we have an understanding of the setting and, mm-hmm. and the character. But. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a major theme is who is the enemy. So I think that is yeah part of war. There's no position in the play of whether war is right or wrong. I think I I look at her decisions on whether she did the right thing, because as a writer, I really don't know. I've always questioned whether it's right or wrong. I don't have an opinion yet. And I think writing is a way to try and figure that out within yourself. So, I mean, there, there are questions to war and to enemy and things like that, but there's nothing in it that says whether it's, it's good or bad. Yeah. It's, it's interesting, I think, the, the attitudes and reactions people have towards the military in terms mm-hmm. of there is that, that old-school idea of, you know good and proper to die for one's country kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then there are other people who are just like, you know, it's the, it's the worst thing ever. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. it's, it's interesting too, I guess, for... I think more often than not, when you hear about plays that have any war involvement in them at all, they're usually going with an... The arts are usually have an anti-war exactly, bent. Exactly, yeah. You know? Yeah. So I think it's interesting that you're not you're not going either way on that question. Yeah. I mean, just because of how I feel, I think that the troops are are doing a great thing for us, whether or not reasoning for war is good. You know, like I think there's two sides to it. You can see great things happening, but it might not be happening for the right reason. You know, and, and whether or not war is good or bad, you have to accept that there are 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 Canadians out there fighting. Whether or not they're thrown into it or they made a bad decision to do it, they're still doing it and they're sacrificing their lives for something that might be right to them. So you're the playwrights, mm-hmm. the artistic director of the company, and you're directing this as well? Yeah. Okay, yeah. and just wearing <laughs> lots of hats. Yeah. Because that's, that's, that's the nature of independent theatre, of course. Yeah. Um, and uh, and how, is, how is that process been? Have you found sort of a, a gear shift with your words? Have Oh, well, I was trained as an actor. That's all I ever did in theater was act. So when I decided to put on my own show, I didn't realize what came with it. <laughs> I'm doing everything but acting, and I have no training in that. So, I mean, I'm just figuring it out by experience. I'm asking people around me what to do. I'm making mistakes, and I am learning from them and that's what's most important, I think. And you're having some fun. I'm, I'm having some fun. I'm making good. mistakes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's great. Good. And uh, so, yeah, so being on the on the other side then of the mm-hmm. stage, mm-hmm. Um, do you think that writing uh, a script and then directing it, if it's based on something like that source material, 
do you think that's easier than for you as a playwright to sort of disconnect from it? It, it sort of it sounds like you've created a script that has that already has a life of its own. Well, being the type of writer that I am, I think it is very beneficial to be the director as well. I'm an actor, so I write sort of through my imagination, and I'm still writing with actors on their feet. So when I gave the script to the actors, they didn't really get it, some of it, because I don't know how to put that on paper through script writing, right? So I had to be like, okay, well, let's write it doing this exercise. So I mean, I made a script as a skeleton, as a way of like, I know what's happening, but then I really did need to be the director so I can help create it to make, yeah, to give it life, like you said. Cool. So you're, uh, you're essentially like workshopping it through mm-hmm. a rehearsal process. Yeah, yeah. And then the presentation of this coming up. When I first thought of this play, I wanted a really small, intimate space. But when I walked into this place, I thought it was going to be small because it seats about 85 people. When I walked in, it's this huge dance floor, like just really, really big um, black floors, a few curtains here and there for wings, but it's gigantic. And I thought, oh my God, I can't have two actors in this space. That's not going to work. But then as I was about to leave, I just got this atmosphere from the place where even the silence has a sound to it. And in the play, it's about this soldier who is lost, who's separated from everybody else, you know, all the other troops. So I kind of like that feeling of being lost in this really, really open, deserted area. So I'm going to have two actors on stage across the stage from each other, yelling at each other like they can't hear each other. And it's going to be cool, I think. We'll see, I hope. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's, uh, I mean, obviously, you're dealing with a topic that's pretty charged. Um, and, you know, I, I think it's, you know, presenting it at the perfect, the perfect time of year when everybody's sort of minds are on that, that uh, sense of memorializing. Mm-hmm. Um, I have previously asked, um, and I, you may feel comfortable sharing wisdom of your own uh, from, from your experience, or if you have any words of wisdom to share uh, that are things that have sort of gotten you to this point, um, things that have resonated uh, and, that, and that you think would be helpful to other people who are starting out. And obviously, they now have a theater company to go to with their That's great right. ideas. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, would you have any... Um, Words of wisdom to share, parting thought. Well, I'm not too wise, but I, I don't know, something that I'm learning is just take your time. Don't rush into it. Like a lot of people think, if I don't make it now, I'm not going to make it. And everyone's going to see that I'm not doing work and I'm going to be out of theater. Like, no, don't worry about what other people think of you in theater. If it's not the right time to do a show, don't do it. Because you need to make good art. Don't need to make rushed crap, you know. So, I mean, I'm 27. I took a long time in theater school. I was learning with, you know, 19-year-olds. How fun. But they, they also taught me a great lesson. It, it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter where you are in your life. Just take your time. Figure it out. Play a little bit. Yeah, that's what I would say. Nice. <laughs> that's, that's good. That's yeah. Good. Thank you so much Thank for, you. Uh, for taking some time out. Uh, until our paths cross again, November 8th to, and including the 11th, mm-hmm. uh, at Dance Makers Studio in uh, the Distillery District. Yes, that's correct.
And if people want to learn more about Rarely Pure Theater, they can go to... www.rarelypuretheater.com. Excellent. Thanks again, Mel. Thank you, Marty. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If you have an upcoming Toronto-based performing arts project or production, I want to talk to you about it. Visit walkleft.ca.